Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Uh, next one. Yes. Who recognises this? It's the QE2 bridge. It's the Dartford Crossing under construction. Yeah? Who loves the QE2 bridge? Why not? Yeah, but imagine not driving across it more to the point. They started building this bridge back in 1988, and it was completed in 1991. The Queen herself opened it. Yeah? Uh, why talk about the bridge? Well, the bridge is a great way to describe reconciliation. Because when they built this bridge, they reconciled one bank of the Thames with the other. So the bank in the, in the north and the bank in the south were reconciled together by the purpose of this bridge. Because <coughs> reconcile means to meet or to join. It means to bring two things together. And that's exactly what this bridge does. It joins these two banks and stops you having to drive for the water to get to the other side. Now imagine for a moment that God the Father is on one bank and you are on the other. And this river represents an impassable block to you ever getting to know the love of God. You haven't got a boat, you haven't got a plane, you haven't got a helicopter, you can't swim, it's too deep to wade across. The river is an impassable block to you encountering the love of the Father. Impassable by any means, you are separated from God's love. You're stranded on one bank and God's on the other. And there's no way to bring these two into reconciliation. But God had the plan, didn't he? He had a plan of reconciliation. A way to bring the two pieces together. And that plan was a bridge in the name of a person. That person was Jesus Christ. God would come in human form, fully God, fully man, and link the two places together. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He was building a bridge of reconciliation. This river can represent the, what we call in the church sin, the pollution that separates us from God. <coughs> it's all the bad choices, it's all the rebellion, it's all the muck that humankind has done that prevents us entering the presence of a holy God. We'll talk more about this on Sunday for our Easter service, about the work of the cross and the power of the cross to deal with the sin that separates. Jesus became the bridge to the Father. And there it is. What a beautiful bridge. People can now cross from one side of this river to the other without driving all the way around. Yes, I know sometimes it's busy, but there's now a crossing. We can cross into the Father's love through the person of Jesus Christ. God has made one way. That one way is Jesus. And Jesus could quite say this confidently in all humility when he walked the earth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say this to be proud. He didn't say this to be divisive. He said this because it was true. There was one way back to the Father's presence, and that presence was connected to through the work of the cross in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus invites everyone to come, invites everyone to discover, invites everyone to come and cross over 
into the love of the Father because there's no other way across the pollution. There's no other way across the barrier of sin. And this is what it means when the Bible says God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. He was doing this work to enable us to connect and join back into his love. So we're building a picture in our minds now. God's on one bank, people are on the other, and Christ is the bridge. Where does the church fit in to this picture? Well, imagine you're a few miles down the A282, and you've made yourself a big sign. And it says, bridge now open. And you stand on the side of the road, and you wave the sign at motorists <laughs> as they go past. Bridge now open, bridge now open. And people stop and say, what on earth are you doing? You say, well, there's a new bridge. You can cross over the Thames now by this new bridge. It's been opened, you can cross over. You don't have to drive all the way around. There's a new way across. There's a new way in. And that's exactly what you and I do as the church. We signpost people to Christ. We say there's a way back into the presence of the Father's love. There's a way in. And there's a way on. And God has left us with this signposting job. We're now the inviters. We take over the invitation phase. This is what the good news of the gospel is. This is the essence of the gospel. There's a way back into the love of the Father. The essence of the gospel isn't church. It isn't services. It isn't serving even in that respect. It isn't attendance. It's about being able to signpost people back into the love of the Father. Because now there's a way. Because God has made a way in Jesus Christ. And so you stand at the side of the road and you say, come and look at this amazing bridge. There's a way back in. There's a way to discover the other side of the river. You can cross over. There's a way. All you have to do is believe that it's there. All you have to do is take advantage of it. All you have to do is receive it and use it. Because God said, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And God will raise him up at the last day. Now, this bridge was a massive engineering feat, wasn't it? It's extraordinary <coughs> to build this. These columns are a reinforcer. A, a ship, a container, you can drive into them at 20 miles an hour. It won't fall down. It's a massive engineering feat. But it's nothing compared to what God has done to enable us to come back into relationship with him. Right at the end of your Bibles, it says uh, in Revelation 22.11, it says this. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. We are now joined with the Holy Spirit in inviting anyone to come into the Father's love. These are the the last words in your Bible. Right at the very end of the book. The great invitation that you and I are involved in by the power of the Spirit to invite anyone to come and receive the Father's love. And it's free. The free gift of the water of life is available to anyone who wants to come and take of it. And in fact, even the scripture says anyone who hears the invitation can repeat the invitation. The invitation cascades down through all humanity. But I think as a church and as a Christian, we face a challenge. There's a crisis of confidence, I think, in the church. Because... If you were to stand on the side of the road on the 8282 with your sign, you might look silly, but you'd be reasonably confident the bridge was there. And you could tell people the bridge was there, and you could point to the bridge, and they'd see the bridge, and they'd know the bridge was real. But when you invite people to Christ, what are you inviting them to? Because you can't point to Jesus because he's not physically here. 
you can't point to a God you can't see. And so often as, as Christians, we struggle to invite people because we are not utterly confident in what we're inviting them to because we can't tangibly point to Jesus. We can point to the evidence of Jesus, but we can't point to Jesus himself. And this is the problem Thomas had, the disciple. His friends had told him that Jesus had risen from the dead, but he wouldn't believe them. He said something rather grisly. He said, I put my finger in the hole where the nails have been and stick my hand in the side where the spear went in. I'm not going to believe he's risen. He wanted physical proof of Jesus' resurrection. The Bible goes on to say a week later, they were inside a house, the doors were locked, and Thomas was there. And Jesus appeared amongst them. And he said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Thomas, why don't you put your finger in the holes where the nails have been? I'll tell you what, why don't you shove your hand deep into my side where the spear went in to prove I was dead? And you can imagine... Thomas recoiling, can't you, from this. And Jesus has something profound. He says, because you have seen me, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And what I find fascinating about this story, it's a very familiar passage, we've read it over and over again. But you need to remember that Jesus must have been present when Thomas was talking <coughs> about putting his hand in holes and hands inside. He was present by his spirit. And so he physically appears amongst us. He says, Thomas, I've been eavesdropping on your conversation. I know what you want to do. Let's crack on. Put your finger in here. Put your hand in here. And Thomas must have thought, oh, my goodness. What have I said? What have I done? Jesus' lack of physical presence didn't nullify the fact that he was already there by his spirit. And that's what we need to get a hold of as believers, that Jesus is here by his spirit. And that's just as tangible as any physical presence. Jesus said, because you've seen this resurrected body, you believe. But there's a whole group of people who are going to believe who don't get the opportunity to see this resurrected body. They're going to believe. And sometimes we think they're going to believe and that's that. But actually, what Jesus said is they're going to believe, they're going to suspend their need for physical proof for a while. They're going to believe in faith. But one day, they are going to see this resurrected body. It's not like they're never going to get to see this. They're going to see it one day. But for now, they're going to suspend their need to see this. They're going to believe in faith. And because of that, they're going to receive a blessing. They're going to be the people of faith, the people of the church, who look in faith forward to a future when they will see the resurrected Christ. You see, our confidence is in a king we can't see. And that sometimes challenges us. Because everything else we deal with in this world, we can see. We physically touch and feel and know and point to. But Jesus said, blessed are those who believe who don't get to see this. In the second letter to the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul describes our present situation of living by faith and not by sight. He says there's a time going to come in the future when we'll be at home in God's presence. And when we're at home in God's presence, we will see God and be with God. <coughs> he says, but for now, we don't get that. We're not at home with the Father. We're here on the earth doing the mission that God has given us. And Paul is con constantly sort of contrasting the fact that one day we'll see God, but yet, at the moment, we don't yet see him. We live by faith and not by sight. 
And that doesn't mean we won't ever get to see him. It just means for now we don't see him. We're not always going to be a people that don't see God. One day you will see God. Whether you've chosen to believe in him or not, you'll get to see him. Every knee will bear and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone gets to see. Everyone gets to see. But Jesus said, blessed are those who believe yet haven't seen. They walk by faith and not by sight. We surrender that need for physical proof in confidence that Jesus is here by his spirit just as powerfully as if he was here tangibly and physically. Who can tell me what this is? Yes. We love a bit of science, don't we? This is the first image ever taken of a black hole, and it's very exciting. This is the black hole at the centre of the M87 galaxy, isn't it? And this was taken by a, a collaboration all over the globe, a thing called the Event Horizon Telescope. And they all got their telescopes together, and they ate them and pointed them at this tiny piece of sky. They pointed this telescope at a piece of sky that is, get this, one two hundred and fifty millionth the size of the moon. So that's a very small piece of sky. And they aimed their telescopes at it, eight of them. And over eight days, they collected enough information to resolve this image of a black hole. It's 55 million light years from Earth. That's a long way. <laughs> I was going to put the number on the screen, but it's, just, it's basically 3.2 with 20 zeros after it. 3.2 quadrillion miles away. Big miles. That light has been travelling to get here for the past 58, 55 million years. Got that? That light you're seeing is 55 million years old. Okay? And it's been travelling at 186,000 miles a second to get here for the last 55 million years. That's how far away this thing is. It's big. It's 6.5 billion times heavier than our sun, and that's heavy. And it's about 40 billion kilometres wide. And that's wide. So it's a big old thing. One of the professors who took the press conference uh, this week, he said it feels like looking at the gates of hell at the end of space and time. And it kind of does. It's a very, very impressive physical thing. All these stats are amazing, but I find even more incredible is that Albert Einstein, back at the turn of the 1900s, he came up with a theory of, of general relativity that he refined in 1915 that predicted exactly what this thing would look like. Isn't that extraordinary? Through his calculations and his mathematics and his, and his observations of the natural universe in which he saw order and he saw uh, rules, he came up with um, a model that was exactly proven by the image that was seen. Over 100 years later, his faith in what he believed but couldn't see was realised. And I find that absolutely extraordinary. Because the Bible says this, faith is being confident in what we hope for and assurance that we do not see. And as wonderful as things are like this black hole and discoveries like this, they don't shrink God, they don't shrink the work of the cross. For me, they just point more to the creator, all that God has done and all that he is. Because he set this up. (laughs) You know, this is just small fry for God, big fry for us. It says this in Colossians, describing the person of Jesus. If you want confidence in the person that you're inviting people to. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, including black holes. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things 
were created through him and for him. He is before all things. He's before this. And in, things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus holds this black hole in his hands. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. In everything, he is preeminent. That means in everything, he comes first. For in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile all (laughs) things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We can have utter confidence in the person that we can't see, but we're inviting people to encounter. Because Jesus is above all, through all, in all. No discovery, however amazing, will ever supersede Jesus. You can be confident of that. You don't need to be afraid of science or scientific discoveries. They will never supersede the person of Jesus. They will just point to him and magnify him and glorify him. This black hole pales next to the glory of Jesus Christ. He's the first and the last. He's preeminent. He's above all. He's first in all. And he was pleased to reconcile everything to himself, to the work of the cross. Even this black hole is being reconciled to Christ, to the work of the cross. Jesus is bringing it all together. Bringing it all together in him. So I want you to leave today utterly confident that when you invite someone to encounter Christ, there's a reality there that is more tangible than anything else in your world. You don't ever have to be ashamed of the gospel. You don't ever have to be ashamed of Jesus and wonder whether he's there or is he just a construct or a figment of the church. He's utterly, utterly real and utterly, utterly reliable. And when you invite people to encounter him, they will meet him. They will meet his presence. They will meet the person of Jesus Christ who somehow, even though he holds all this in his hands, (coughs) can personally encounter you and I in the most intimate way. That's his promise to us. Einstein's theory of general relativity states there's no fixed point in the universe. I have to disagree. There is one fixed point in the universe. Who is that? Jesus. Everything else is orbiting and moving around him. The ancients used to think the earth was the centre of the universe, but that clearly is not true. (laughs) But God has set his affection upon this tiny blue planet and the people that live here. And Christ is the frame of reference that we have that puts everything else in its place. So we worship an unseen God, but he's more concrete than the QE2 bridge. He's more impressive than this huge, incredible black hole. And he invites us all into his presence. And as he invites us, he says, no, cascade that invitation. Cascade that invitation. Come, come and see, come and meet. Come and meet this extraordinary God, this God who loves and cares and knows every hair of our heads. Come and meet him. Come and know his love. Because one day every, every person who's ever lived will see the resurrected Christ. But for now, blessed are we who believe yet don't see. We're the people who walk by faith and not by sight. Let's stand together. (coughs) 
One day we'll all be at home with the Lord. We'll all be with him in his presence and his splendor. But in the meantime, we get to partner with the Spirit and say, come. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Come and drink freely of the water of life. So first, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're new here and you've not yet found Christ for yourself, I want to encourage you to receive that water of life today. That gift, that invitation is for you. It's for you. (coughs) The God who made all the heavens sets his heart and affection upon you this morning and says, come. Come and receive what is free. So maybe if that's you, maybe you just want to put a hand on your heart this morning. Let's just all close our eyes. Let's receive what the Lord has for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that the Father is reconciling all things to himself. And through the work of Jesus, through the work of the cross, we're able to cross over into the Father's love. So God, we want to say we receive that invitation again this morning. We receive the love, we receive the work of the cross into our lives. God, thank you that you've made a way. Forgive us where we've rebelled against you. Lord, would you receive us back into your presence today? We ask in Jesus' name. (coughs) And Father, would you put in us a growing confidence to invite people to discover Jesus? Would you block out the lies that would say, he's not real, he's not tangible, he's not relevant? God, would you give us a great confidence that we can say, come and see. Come and meet the incredible person of Jesus. I pray this week for opportunities, for, for, for invitation opportunities, God, this week, where we could take that invitation, just give it to someone. Freely it's been given to us, God. Help us to freely give it away this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more, or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.